0: Well, good morning, church. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being on campus. If you're able to and uh, watching online for those that aren't able to make it, you know, it does make a difference when you show up on campus because you're part of the ministry to one another. We are the body of Christ. So we definitely feel your absence when you're not with us. But if you're at home... Now we uh, completely understand if you are taking things slow and easy, you're still part of our family, we love you very much. But for those that make the effort to be here, I just want to say thank you very much. Um, Last night was a difficult night for me. I uh, went to bed early. My sermon has been done for days and I've been processing it and praying over it and went to bed early and spent some time praying. And around one o'clock uh, this morning, somewhere around one o'clock this morning, I woke up um, from what was very clearly a demonic attack. And those that know me know I don't use that very often. Um, you know, some, some people look at fall and think that the brown leaves are demonic. I don't do that. Um, this, But I know that I know that I know that I was harassed and tormented last night. And I woke up at one, jumping out of my bed, stumbling away from my bed, gripped by fear. And then I just got mad. I got really mad at the enemy. Has that ever happened to you? Like he catches you off guard, I was asleep. He got me, he got me. But then when I realized what was at work, I just got mad. And I went into my living room and I started started to pray, um, I reminded myself for a moment of my mother uh, because I was pretty loud. I, w- I was screaming at the enemy. My neighbors, if they were awake, would have thought I was crazy because I opened the front door and kicked the devil out of my home. I, I, I took care, I cleaned house, okay? I cleaned house, thank God I didn't wake anyone up. Um, but. I found out from other family members, a few of them, they had some pretty bizarre and unhealthy dreams. And um, I just want you to know either the enemy is very, very mad about what I'm I'm going to preach about today. Um, but I came prepared today at a new level. I was up for several hours last night because um, I was mad. You ever get, I, I don't know, if you just get so mad at the devil, like I won't say that he robbed me of peace because I was planning my attack and it was like, you know, I was happy. Uh, but but I kept going over my sermon because I thought there's something in here that, that you know, it's his hot button. It's a, it's a trigger for him and I need to see what that is. And so I just want to thank the devil that because of him, uh, I went back through my sermon and I've added uh, more gunfire <laughs> because I know his hot button is. So uh, anyway, point number one, the devil is dumb. I'm in a series called, oh, funny, funny side note. I'm pretty amped up this morning. So I have even in my notes in different places, Trey, be kind, because I don't want, I don't want my passion to come across as anger to you and you have the right, as my family, if at any point I, I seem angry, you know me well enough that I'm not angry, I'm passionate, so you can like throw a flag, okay? Throw a flag at me and I'll, I'll simmer down, but someone came in my office, didn't even know any of this, and they started anointing me with what I thought was oil, ended up being essential oils, and I brought it with me, I said I might need it because it's called relax. So, anyway, if I get a little carried away, you understand the backstory, okay? Father, I just come before you today because I feel like this is a now word. God, I feel like this is a word that can shift this church. This is a word, God, that if it can take root in our hearts, if the truth of your word, if we give it permission to take root in our hearts, our lives will be forever changed. Not a temporary fix, not a band-aid over a seeping wound. It would be forever changed. So God, I ask for the boldness today for every person hearing this word, including me. God, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. God, give us eyes to see what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name. And God, I just want to one more time remind the enemy of his future outcome. And it is total and utter destruction. You have no authority over the saints and you have no place in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church shout amen. Amen. All right. I feel good. Moments change everything. Moments change everything. We are in a series called Time Hop. And I, I spent the last two Sundays talking about Israel and the, the, the day, May 14th, 1948, that Israel became a nation. And I hope that I made a good solid case for those that were watching and a part of our congregation um, that we need to um, hold Israel in high esteem. We need to bless Israel because those who bless Israel will be blessed. But May 14th, 1948 was, was a day that things shifted, that the prophetic clock began the countdown. And so it was a huge, huge day. In fact, if you're joining us on Wednesday nights, I'm talking about end time Bible prophecy and breaking that down for the people in the room. We had a, a great time this past Wednesday. You're welcome to come 6.30 to 7.30 on Wednesday nights. Uh, But I wanna talk to you today about another moment in history that changed forever. Changed forever. And that is when America became a nation. When America became a nation, things shifted, things changed. When our founders decided to build a nation on the principles and the precepts of God, things changed. Now, I just have to give a disclaimer that I'm an American, and I am proud to be an American. I love America. She is great. She is she's great in territory. She is great in resources, in strength, in beauty, in achievements, America has shared her wealth, her scientific discoveries, her medical breakthroughs, and love for God with the world. I love America also for what she's given to me. She has given to me the freedom of religion, the freedom that I could dare stand here on this platform and share a message of hope and a, a, the gospel message of Jesus without fear of Government locking me up th- to be able to assemble a crowd of people, to lift up the name of Jesus in, in, you know, in front of everyone's sight. We're not having to go underground, thank you Jesus, like they do in most parts of China, most parts of Russia. America has given me the freedom of speech to say great things and to say stupid things. It doesn't matter. It's my freedom. And I'm grateful for that. And Lord knows I have said my share of foolish things. And those who have been at church for a while can testify to that fact, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful with all of her faults and flaws because, you know, America has them. I still love her today. One man asked another "'Isn't it true that both the Soviet and American Constitution "'guarantee freedom of speech?' "'Yes,' the other man said, "'but the American Constitution also guarantees freedom after speech.'" (laughs) That's a big difference. A groom was terribly nervous on the eve of his wedding. "'What is wrong?' Uh, the pastor said. "Have "'Have you lost your ring?' "'No,' the groom answered. "'I've lost my enthusiasm.'" (laughs) <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, many Christians have lost their enthusiasm for America. This isn't a political message today. But I do want to take a moment to remind us all of the power of gratitude with what's in our hand. To 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 understand that just because America has some things not so great, right? We can all admit, doesn't matter who you vote for or if you vote at all, we can all agree that there are some pretty not good things about America at the moment. And depending on who you are, you think different things are not so good. But the reality is we can still stand here today, even in the middle of the the flaws and the faults and still love our country I mean, who among us here has ever eaten a bad burger and declared from that moment forward you would never eat hamburgers again? None of us. We don't do that all or nothing mentality with anything else in the world. We understand that was a bad burger joint. We do that with churches too, by the way. We encounter a bad church, we get hurt by a church, and we run away and say that all churches are bad. And, and I just need to let us all know, all churches are not bad. But there's not a single church that's always good. Think about that one for a moment. You know why church is so broken? Because you and I are a part of it. Anytime you have a system built with breathing, living, Humans, guess what comes to the table? When they come to eat, so do their attitudes, their agendas, their flaws, their faults. So America, I just have to say, I want to uh, say to God that I I am grateful to be in the United States of America because I receive blessing because she is blessed. That was a moment in time that changed history, but today I wanna to talk to us for a few minutes about what is going to determine the destiny of this nation, the future. Uh, we, we can possibly disagree on the past. You could think one thing, I think another, but hopefully everyone listening to this sermon today would agree on this. We want the future of America to be better than it is today. No matter where you stand on any level of any ideology, we want tomorrow to be better than today. So what is going to determine the destiny of this great nation? I want to take you to the book of John. No, Joshua. Joshua chapter five, verse 13 through 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. And with the drawn sword in his hand Joshua went up to him and asked are you for us or for our enemies neither he replied but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him what message does my Lord have for his servant the commander of the Lord's army replied take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy and Joshua did so so here we see Joshua in a battle and he sees a very strong, tall, buff guy and he's got a sword drawn and Joshua asks, wait, whose side are you on? Are you on my side or their side? And the angel has the audacity to say neither. Can you imagine? I mean, think of the political tension today and every political party thinks the Lord is on their side, but you know what the Lord is saying? Neither. <laughs> right. Jesus isn't Republican. He's not Democrat. He's not libertarian. He's on neither. He's on the Lord's side. Yeah. And so if we want the destiny of America to be better, tomorrow better than today, we have to not try to convince the Lord to come on to our side, but we need to step into obedience and come on to the Lord's side. Point number one, I'm gonna touch this briefly because I have spent the last two weeks talking about this. America's destiny will be determined by its relationship to the Jewish seed. I've talked about this the last two weeks. I stand firm on that, it's very clear. In Bible, there's no way around it. The future of America will be determined by its relationship to the Jewish seed. And just in case you missed the last two weeks, I'll take you to Genesis 12:3. throw this verse on the table. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We as a nation need to be looking out for Israel The nation, it is in God's word. We know that we will be blessed when we do that. Can I get a good amen? Amen. All right, so we've settled that. I'm not gonna belabor the point, but I did hear this joke from an Israeli pastor I wanna wanna share with you. His name is uh, Amir Sarfati. And he said, do you know why God created Gentiles? No, why? Why did God create Gentiles? He needed someone to pay full price. Get it? Get it? Get it? Amir said it. I thought it was funny. The Jewish nation is blessed. Point number two America's destiny will be determined by its remembrance of the sacred. America's destiny will be determined by its remembrance of the sacred. A South African president once said, that South America was founded by men seeking gold. North America was founded by men seeking God. Our future rests on you and I, all of us valuing the sacred. Psalm 917, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead all the nations that forget God. What happens to all the nations that forget the sacred? What happens? They go down. Now, I I want tomorrow to be better than today. So if that's true, then you and I have to come into agreement that we must value the sacred. Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And by the way, Lord means Jesus Christ. When we place Jesus at the center of our entire lives, the center of our communities, the center of our politics, the center of our education, the center of our finances, when we do that, the Bible says that we are blessed. Third point, America's destiny will be determined by its rebuke of sin. Look at your neighbor and say, I rebuke it. Look, you can say that word. I rebuke it. America will be determined by its rebuke of sin. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, the smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. Proverbs 14, verse 34 says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin, say, but sin. But sin, but sin condemns any people. So a nation that exalts sin will itself be condemned. I, I know this is offensive on many levels, but blame him. I'm just reading to you God's word. America today is riddled with perversion and sin. It's not only accepted, it is celebrated Abortion slaughters countless babies every year. The biblical family ethic is not only being challenged, but being called evil. I am not preaching today a works-based salvation. I'm only saying that sin is as sin does. The Bible is clear that by showing my actions, by showing you the fruit on my tree, I am showing you the root of my tree by showing you my actions and the things that I stand for and the things that I fight for I am showing you I am revealing to you my heart sin will always bring down a nation I've been spending an enormous time amount of time in revelation and Daniel and Zechariah and Isaiah and uh, a lot of different books that speak to the end time and I'm loving it and it's beautiful but there's there's this part in revelation that I want to share with you and it's not in my notes so I, I don't have it for the screen but if you have your bible please turn with me to revelation chapter 3 in revelation 2 and 3 it's talking about seven churches And there are different opinions on who the churches are and how all of that flows and works out. These were seven churches in Asia Minor at the time, current day Turkey. And we can look at the history of the church and we can also identify periods where, for example, the Dark Ages, almost a thousand years, looked an awful lot like the Church of Thyatira. And now today, from approximately 1950 to today, the church looks an awful lot like the last two churches listed in Revelation 3. And I wanna read that to you because they're competing churches. One is the church in Philadelphia. It's the faithful church. It says, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, that's talking about Jesus. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no no one shuts and shuts and no one opens opens, Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, the faithful church, he says, I know your works. If Jesus is taking account of the works of our hand, then it's probably pretty important. And he says to them, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. So the faithful church, the church of Philadelphia has little strength. Little influence. It, it, it's feeling weakened. And he says, However, you've kept my word. Even in your moment of feeling like you have little strength, you've been faithful to God's word throughout this season. Jesus himself is saying he notices. He goes on to say, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Jesus notices church when we are faithful to his word. I'm not talking about faithful to attendance. I'm not talking about faithful to tithing. I'm not talking about faithful to serving. Should you do all of these things? Yes. But are you faithful to his word? Because This is the thing that transforms us into his image. There's no amount of hours you can do serving for a nonprofit or a church that will transform your heart. It's only the word of God. And Jesus says he's going to notice. In fact, he's going to likely divide the churches by who's paying attention to his word and who's not. The, the seventh church is the church of Laodicea in chapter three. I'm sorry. In Laodicea, this church, man, they, they don't know what they're doing. They want to serve God, but they really, really love themselves. And we, we see this a lot in the, the postmodern Christianity of today. A large segment of the church, and I, I, I pray to God that we be found faithful at the end of days, but a large population of self-proclaimed Christians, followers of Jesus, they say, have moved not from the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the gospel of self. You see, the postmodern progressive Christianity, some churches now even label themselves as progressive, a progressive church. And they will tell you that Jesus isn't the only way, that all of these roads lead to heaven. And you uh, a come as you are mentality, which I embrace a come as you are, but I embrace a you won't leave the same as you came mentality. Progressive Christianity says, just show up. We're not about having the Lord deal with you. We're not about you wrestling with Jesus on anything. Let's just build community. It's a social justice community that do a lot of good things. The problem is they leave God out of the picture. That's the church of Laodicea. And, and Jesus tells them, I would rather you be hot or cold. Why? Because a cold water is refreshing to the weary soul. Hot water is medicinal. But lukewarm... Jesus says he'll spit it out of his mouth. Now, I, I can't say to you that that's a justification that you could lose your salvation. I'm not gonna, that's not what this sermon is about. But what I can tell you and absolutely say without a shadow of a doubt is being spit out of the Lord's mouth is certainly an indicator of intimacy with him. You know, the word, if you sense the weightiness of my soul right now, it's because I've been wrestling with God on a number of things regarding my leadership, regarding this church. Have I, have I loved you enough to communicate openly and honestly and I I just in as loving way as I possibly can today I need to tell you that the word sin seems to have disappeared today today we tolerate we laugh we enjoy what 30 years ago 30 years ago would have been unconceivable I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't have little, little kids anymore. Uh, but I happened to watch some cartoons, cartoons the other day. And I could not believe the godless, sinful agenda that was being pushed on cartoons. I think what got me thinking a couple weeks ago, I heard someone Say, and I don't recall who it was. I just remember the phrase stuck me. It said, "America, America will fall or come through this crisis based on the strength of the pulpit, not politician." And I thought, Lord, I don't think I want that kind of weight. <laughs> And um, I, I tell you the end of the story. The Lord has, has proved me to be faithful. He assured me that I, I have been faithful, but I, I see the current state of pulpits across America and across the world. And I'm, I'm terrified for the gospel's sake because I see a generation that arose and knew nothing of the Lord. It, it happened in Joshua's time. A whole generation arose and knew nothing of the goodness of the Lord. And I, I'm rolling my sleeves up, church, and I'm, I'm kind of like getting my head on again and saying, that's not going to happen on my watch. Like, I'm not going to let your grandkids and your great grandkids up, grow up and not know about the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of the Lord. We call sin everything but what it truly is. What God calls drunkenness, we call letting loose. (laughs) What God calls perversion, we call a lifestyle. What God calls immorality, we call the new morality. What God calls pornography, we call entertainment. What God calls murder, we call abortion and a choice. What God calls A love of truth the world now calls hate. And I'm not militant about this, but I'm more resolved and sure than ever before that if I don't stand for the word of God in all that I say and all that I do, then my life will be worth nothing to you. General Douglas MacArthur spoke the truth when he said the following words. He said, "'History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been either a spiritual awakening to overcome the normal lapse or a progressive deterioration leading ultimately to the national disaster.'" Basically, what he's saying is all of the political crisis that we see in our world, all of the economic crisis that we see in our world today, you know where it all started? When we accepted immorality as moral actions in our life. We thought it was no big deal. We thought, you know, the kids wouldn't see. They would think nothing of it or this one time. And we continue to deteriorate. And ultimately, our morality which is designed by God himself and his word. When we ignored that, we know from Matthew 6.33 that it impacts every other area of our life. So much so that today there is not a pure political party. There is not a pure economic structure. There is not a pure media source. Are you with me, church? I'm not blaming the left or right. I'm trying to shoot the whole bird today. I'm just saying that without Jesus, we are all doomed. Here's, here's the thing, though. We have to be careful because you know what we're really good at, church? We are really good at pointing the finger. We are so good at identifying the faults in everyone else rather than looking inside. I'm, I'm careful, very careful, no matter who's in the office of president. I'm very careful to not bash them. I'm, I'm very careful. I've told my kids, this was, this was before they were homeschooled. I told my kids, um, their teachers are adults. I trust them. I want to hear what you have to say, um, but you're going to have to make a good case because I'm going to support your teacher. I've taught my kids to respect authority since they were babies. And you know what? I told my kids, I I don't actually fight for my kids. Uh, I never did in school. I taught them that in this life, you will have unfair people that that do awful things to you and you're going to have to, Learn to work with them. I remember Micah was getting bullied, and I told him to hit the kid. And th- I mean, this was before the exchange, and, and he did. But Micah is so tender, he came home and he cried because he punched the kid. And, I, and Micah got suspended, and the other kid did too. And I, I went up to the principal's office, and I was pretty upset. I was like, My son is not going to get suspended. And she said, You know, I agree with you. He did the right thing. This kid's a real bully. But he did the thing wrong. He needs to face the consequences. And it, it clicked for me. I'm like, you're absolutely right. So on your three days of suspension, we'll be getting ice cream and pizza and going <laughs> to the movies. But you know, I, my kids learned early on that in, in the workplace, you're going to have people that talk about you. You're, you're going to have People get promoted when you really deserved it. There, there's a lot of, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about uh, racial injustice that needs to be dealt with. I'm not talking about gender injustice, you know, women not being paid. What, I, there, there are things of the law that need to be established and made right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about personality conflicts. And when you think there's unfair treatment, you need, we need to teach our kids to deal with it because the church is the leader. Family, listen, the church is the leader of society. I know it's really nice for us to just think Jesus is coming back and we're huddled over in a corner and we're just gonna do our little Christian casserole thing and we're we're in the world not of it and let's be isolated. But God didn't call us to isolate from the community. He called us to transform it. And to transform the community, we actually have to know what we're doing. We have to grow up. We have to be mature in the faith, not just mature in the word of God, but mature in delivering the word of God to people so it doesn't wound their spirits in the process of us trying to speak truth. You wanna know really what the problem with the world is? The church. The church. 2 Chronicles 7.14 tells us that. And we quote this all the time and we miss it. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Our land isn't healed, not because sinners are acting like sinners. Don't blame the world for acting like the world. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 says, If my people... That's you and me. If his people would humble themselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, that goes to prove that his people can be wicked. Can I get a good amen? If the church would get right, the world would fall in line. My last point. America's destiny will be determined by its respect for the righteous. We've lost respect, in our culture at least, I think this is is, uh, potentially true in the nations that I, I have friends in, but I can't say this is true for the entire world, but at least for America, we've lost respect for parents, We've lost respect for teachers. We've lost respect for authority. We've lost respect for boundaries. We've lost respect for the elderly. We've lost respect for the unborn. We've lost respect for God. And we've lost respect for the righteous. It used to be that when a man or woman of God would would walk in the world, people Far from God would would show them honor. Not anymore. We see men of God getting beat up, women of God, just, you know, the, the words that they speak totally ignored. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the pastors, I'm talking about you, the righteous. Do you not realize that your words don't carry any weight? They don't. I mean, that's just the reality of the state that we're currently in, church. And I know it sounds an awful lot like the Church of Philadelphia, little strength. But I'm here to tell you, your words don't carry weight because as a society, we have lost all respect for anything that tries to bring admonition, correction, or even encouragement if it's not aligned with our ideologies and presuppositions. thinking of losing respect i suppose i should cut us some slack because it's not brand new for our society i found it in the bible this 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 hilarious verse of text in second kings chapter two i got to read it to you it says from there elisha went up to bethel as he was walking along the road some boys came out of the town and jeered at him get out of here baldy they said get out of here baldy this would bring respect back. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mulled 42 of the boys. I just thought that was great. It, it really doesn't push my sermon along. I just had to read it to you. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, honestly, all the ugly you see online doesn't happen face-to-face because people... Are too afraid of the instant feedback we got some really strong warriors on social media but then when it's face to face and that's why i don't even i don't even take into account social media that's not reality honestly it's not it's not the real person i actually find that i don't like the social media person when i'm face to face i i I just madly love love everyone but then they just they don't act themselves on social media. It's really bizarre because like everyone that I know and, and their Facebook friends of mine in person, they're so kind and so generous and so thoughtful and so nice. And then they're on social media and I'm like, wait, I don't, I think someone has hacked their account, but I, I'm just learning. I, I'm, I'm just learning that there is a loss of respect for boundaries because we don't understand that what we say online impacts a human's heart. Proverbs 18:10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and are safe. Listen, we need to respect the righteous. And when I say the righteous, I'm talking about you. You need to get some respect for you, the righteous. You know why? There's historical proof that if there had been 10 righteous people in Sodom, God would have spared it. The righteous matter. You, O righteous one, may be the one holding up your city. You may be the one keeping your town from being destroyed right now. You, You may be the glue that God is using. We need to gain respect for the righteous. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen? Like even to one another, how much more should we be elevating one another and speaking into each other? Because you know what the devil did to me last night? He tried, to, he tried to get in my head. And he's doing that to you too. He's doing that to you too. Oh, and, and you. And you every single one of us because he wants to create division because he knows that a divided house cannot stand and if he can get the church to fall he can get america to fall come on righteous people where you at i love you guys so much And I just want to encourage you because I I believe in the the coming week, seven to eight days, there's going to be tremendous warfare, spiritual warfare. And I need you to be prepared. You hearing me? Ephesians 6 tells us how to put on the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes our struggle, please put this on your mirror. Please put this on, make this your password before you can get on social media. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. And, and rulers and authorities, it's not talking about the school board. It's not talking about the president. It's not talking about congressmen or women. It's not talking about the people that's not your party. It's talking about the demonic activity that right now is planning for your demise. And you must, to be able to withstand that, put on the full armor of God, like verse 13 says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything in your own power to stand, then stand, trusting that the armor of God is there to rescue you. So here's what I would like you to do over the next seven days. Please do this, church. Please, I'm, I'm begging of you to do this. Every morning, put on the armor of God. Out loud with your mouth. Father, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I take the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the belt of truth. My feet are ready to walk in peace. Every. Every single morning, I need you to do that because when you speak what Ephesians 6 says about the armor of God, when you physically speak it, you are partnering with what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life for that day. And let me just tell you, you need a covering right now. If you don't see it, you need to wake up. You only get oppressed when you're asleep. But once you wake up, you'll see it and you'll get mad. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God, I thank you that whatever is in our hand, you will bless and you will multiply. God, it's not up to us to solve and resolve every issue. It is only up to us to empty that which you've given us and pour it out as an offering so God, help us to empty ourselves. Help us to be a blessing to our community. Help us to be a blessing to our family. God, let our, let the peace flow through us as our minds are steadfast on you. God, I thank you that the, the righteous are safe because of you. God, I thank you that every need is met because of you. So, God, we just are grateful for your protection today over our mind, over our families, over all provisions. God, we surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, everybody take out your phone. Everybody take your phone out right now. Please open up a text a text, a new text, and type in this number. 512. Everybody now, if your neighbor isn't doing it, do some public shaming. Five, one, two, nine, four, zero, one, two, two, zero. 1220 Do you know what that number is? That number goes to uh, our church. And if you right here in the texting stuff, you write N-E-X-T. That's not just for people who said yes to Jesus or got saved today. That's for anyone who wants to grow in your relationship. You know why? Because no matter where you are on your journey, there is always more to discover in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you type next and you hit send, we're going to send you back a link with tons of videos that you can grow in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Carrie and I and our team love you so much.